Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Uh, Well, you can grab a seat. Uh, Good morning. Uh, It is now storming. Uh, Marty's vision has come true. Uh, he is a prophet. Look out. Uh, but uh, I hopefully will have, hopefully we will have power through the remainder of the service. Um, but again, if, if you're like really stressed out or if you're worried uh, about the you know, world out there, if you've got a long way to drive or something like that, if you want to take off uh, before the service is over, that is totally fine. Totally understand. Uh, it is okay. All right. But in the meantime, uh, as long as we're here along for the ride with one another, I would love for you to check this out. Oh. oh, the struggle is so real uh, sometimes, hashtag. Uh, but we, I, I love too that this is just a silent security cam video because there's, you just can't focus on anything but the, the suffering in front of us. It's, it's hard. Uh, man, I, I'll tell you, on a day much like this, this kid struggled to get that trash can out and he just, he failed, all right? He failed, but there's no other way to look at it. And, and the reality is in, in our world, in our lives, in our experiences, and in our context, and in our endeavors, the reality is that we, in and of ourselves, can't just make sure we're working hard enough and determined enough to always guarantee the results that we want, right? Hard work and determination aren't always enough, in certain circumstances, you, you can just dedicate yourself and set your mind and say, I'm going to work so hard at this relationship. And yet the reality is that relationship can still fall apart for re- reasons maybe within or maybe outside of your control. You can really set your mind and say, I mean, I'm determined and I'm going to get that job. or I'm going to get that position in that organization. I'm going to be, uh, you know, attaining these kind of accomplishments in my life. And you can be determined and you can set out and you can send those emails and sign up for LinkedIn. And you can kind of go through all those processes and go to every booth at the job fair and be like, I'm the best person you will ever find, which I don't know, maybe would work. But you, you do these things, you jump through these hoops, but that job offer still might not show up that position might still not be available. That organization might still pass you over. Again, for reasons maybe within or maybe just outside of your control. The truth about our lives is that sometimes hard work and determination just aren't quite enough. You can call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. And you can tell the world that I am determined to live the life that he calls me to live. I'm going to follow the commands he's placed in front of me. I'm going to change my heart to match his. And yet time and time again, you will find yourself with thoughts and words and actions that simply do not reflect his teachings, do not reflect his commands. See, the world looks at Jesus of Nazareth, and of Nazareth, and it calls him a good man or a great teacher, maybe, or maybe even a prophet. Uh, but, but the word of God looks at Jesus of Nazareth and it calls him the Christ, meaning the Christos, 
Literally, the chosen one, the the one who came to save us, the savior of the world. Uh, He's the Messiah that moved out of heaven and onto earth to bring the dead to life. And when we look in the life of Christ, we realize that that we have a God who's not this unknowable entity or this distant divinity, but in fact, he's a God who put on flesh to walk among us so that he can know us intimately. When we look in the gospels at the life of Jesus Christ, what we see is the chosen one who chooses us to join him in life beyond the grave. It's an incredible, incredible story. It's an incredible truth to hear, accept, and proclaim. And what's so beautiful about it is that we aren't responsible for it, right? We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We're saved by grace, meaning it is not something that I earned or achieved, something that I deserve. It is a gift of God the eternal life that I can have by trusting in Jesus Christ as my Savior, that is a gift, a free gift. And so it would make sense that when we look in Mark chapter 14, that we see Jesus looking at his disciples and telling them, hey, you gotta stop relying on yourselves, okay? You can't do something on your own to earn salvation. The other other reality, the flip side of that coin is you really honestly can't just decide to live a life that reflects the God that saves you. You can't just will yourself to do that. So he's going to look at his disciples. He's looking at his followers. He's looking at us, and he's saying, you have to move beyond the inevitable failure of self-reliance and instead follow his example of dependence on God. What we'll see is Jesus Christ lay the groundwork, lay out an example of how we can depend on our God in heaven, the Father of all creation. We can depend on him as long as we are surrounding ourselves with the right people, as long as we are keeping the right perspective, and as long as we are spending time in prayer. And we can have that dependence that Jesus himself showed us in his own life. And Mark chapter 14 opens up, uh, and it's setting up the Last Supper. So basically, Jesus and his disciples, they've come to Jerusalem. Jesus is, is going to be crucified. He's going to be tried, uh, and crucified, and buried uh, in Jerusalem. And so uh, as he's showing up with his disciples, he, they are celebrating Passover, this uh, beautiful traditional meal. Uh, and so they're sitting together, and as they're having this meal, Jesus begins to unpack some truth for them. And he says, hey, look, here's the thing. Uh, This is really awesome. I I love this time that I have with all of you guys. But just so you know, uh, one of you is going to betray me. All right, one of you is going to turn me over, betray me, stab me in the back. Uh, And then I'm going to be tried and killed, okay, by the religious leaders. Okay, they're just going to, they're going to murder me. Uh, And then the rest of you are all just going to peace out. The rest of you are going to fall away, literally is what he says. You're going to all fall away. I mean, so it's like a little bit of a bummer in the middle of dinner. Uh, So Peter pulls Jesus aside. He's like, hey, listen, 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 listen. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those guys, scrubs, all right? But me, no way. He's like, listen, you're not going to die on my watch, and I'm never leaving you. He says, there's no way, no how, nuh-uh. And Jesus responds graciously, Peter, yuh-huh, okay? Literally in the Aramaic, yuh-huh, meaning yes. Uh, and that's, that's what he says, says, yeah, you are going to do these things. It's going to be horrific, 
I'm sorry, but that's the reality of what we're headed into. And so in light of that news, at the end of that wonderful conversation, we pick up in verse 32, where then Jesus and his disciples, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And then he took Peter and James and John with him, and he was very troubled. He was very distressed. And so he said to those guys, he says, hey, my soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. So he says, remain here, stay alert. So Jesus has pulled away to this secluded spot. It's probably a garden, what we gather from other gospel, other accounts. Um, And in fact, what we know from the other accounts as well is that this is a regular place for them to go. This is kind of their, their old stomping grounds, right? This is that one couch in the MSC that you just, mm, it's like your spirit couch. Like that's just where you go, right? To rest and relax and Study, all right, that's, that's where you go. This is Jesus' place, right? This is their little nook in the rudder tower where no one can find you on next to the stairway, and, and this is where they go. And so he's pulling away with his disciples. He says, hey, uh, I want us all to kind of be here in, in light of what's coming. And in fact, he grabs three key guys. He says, hey, Peter, James, John, you come with me actually even a little further. And, and he's asking them, hey, I, I want you guys to bear with me in this time. I want you to stay alert in fact, in the other accounts, we'll see that he tells them, I need you to be alert and I need you to pray. He says, I need you to be praying for me. I need you to go before the Lord on my behalf. Why? Because I'm troubled and I'm distressed and I'm grieved to the point of death. Jesus is about to face the most incredible suffering that we can't even honestly imagine. And so in that moment, he says, I need you with me. I need, I need my boys around me. Why? Because Jesus was perfectly God, and yet also somehow mysteriously fully man. And so he is exhibiting, he's showing us, look, there is a natural inclination in the human experience that you will want and need community especially on the verge of suffering, right? We, we see this. When people are on the verge of suffering or difficulty, I mean, we want someone with us to help us share the burden. That's why maybe at the beginning of the semester, you said, I'm gonna go to the wreck. And you went by yourself. And that was a bad call, right? You go to the wreck by yourself. You show up, you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's strong. Like, do they, are you students or are you just wreck people. Like, what are you doing? And you just, you try to work out, you go on the weight machine and you try to run and you're like, everyone's faster and I'm going to die. Like I'm doomed. I'm going to die at 32 because I can't walk or whatever. And you have horrific experiences, right? I was there. I tried going, you go a little by yourself and it's like, I'm, I'm doomed. However, you take a friend with you, right? Wisdom would say, actually take a friend, we'd take a buddy. And if you've got that wing man or that wing girl, you're showing up at the wreck, man, it's incredible the attitude change that can occur and what you can accomplish. Suddenly it's no longer, I'm doomed. It's, we're invincible. Like we can do anything and we're stuck on more weights, more weight, more weight. Okay, too much, but whatever. And you, man, you just, you can run faster, jump higher, drink more smoothies than you ever thought possible. And it's beautiful. Why? Because you have someone alongside of you to share that burden. It's why so many times we will maybe choose to study alone. We say, oh my gosh, I'm doomed. But then you bring a friend with you and you're like, yeah, we're doomed. Awesome. Like I say, you feel better. You just feel a little bit better 
doesn't change your doomedness, but you feel better about it, and that's what counts, all right? We, we see this in our lives. I can't tell you, in the years of ministry that I've had, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the hospitals, and I've gone to the homes of people that are either about to or in the midst of or are just past traumatic, tragic events. Why do I go to the hospital to see the parents of my youth kid who just dies out of the blue from a heart failure, just in the middle of, why? Why do I go and talk to his mom and his dad while they're grieving the loss of their son? It's because I've seen how the Lord can just perform incredible ministry through just our presence, just our availability. It's incredible what the Lord can accomplish just by being there to mourn with those who mourn, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. God says, I've designed you to need community in the victories, absolutely, and in the losses, especially. So Jesus is approaching this incredibly traumatic event in his life, in his ministry, and he says, I need people around me. He said an example for us of saying, man, you will need this, and you will have an opportunity to learn from the Lord in the midst of that. That's what's incredible, is that even for these guys, Peter, or Jesus is pulling aside Peter, James, and John, these guys that have seen him transfigure. And, and just in the Gospel of Mark, they see him transform and put on his divine glory on the, Mount, on the Mount of Transfiguration. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen the power that he holds over life and death. And now they're getting to see him in this low point of horrific suffering, and they're able to learn in every single environment. And it's an opportunity that we've actually all been given. Paul tells us in Philippians 3, he's talking about suffering for the gospel, and he says, this is what's amazing. My aim in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of this, you know, tragedy and loss, I actually can know him. I can experience the power of his resurrection. I can share in his sufferings. I can be like him in his death. Peter, James, and John aren't the only people that got to know Christ or see what he did or, or experience what he went through. We have that opportunity to know him, to know what he's done, to know what he's been through. It's a learning opportunity for us to suffer. I got the opportunity to go to the Passion Conference in Atlanta this past January. And I'll tell you, I mean, one of the most powerful moments was there was this husband and wife, this couple were up on stage and they were just sharing their story. And the wife had been through incredible suffering and, and, and tragedy. She had this disease that was just wrecking her body and she needed constant care. It was painful. And yet in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that suffering, what was so incredible is that she looked out at this crowd of students just like you. And she said, suffering doesn't have to be the end of your story. It doesn't have to be the entirety of your identity. She says, suffering is this incredible opportunity to learn about God. And man, my heart just broke 
that someone who's been through so much was able to say those things, those things that reflect exactly what we see in Scripture. That wasn't just her idea. That's what God has already told us. But man, we need people in our midst as we're facing that suffering. Jesus gave us that example. So if you don't have those people around you, gosh, that, that'd be my first charge, my, 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 my advice, my, 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 my example that I'm hoping that you will follow, that you would find these people who can know you, who can know what you've done, who can know what you've been through, who can share the burden with you. That's why we always wanna be putting in forward the opportunity for community here at Grace. You can find it in other contexts as well, but we want to make sure that we're doing our best to put out the invitation of, hey, we have community that you can become a part of where people will know you and people can share the the joys with you and the sorrows with you. That's why we put in front of you opportunities for leadership because we want you to not only be a part of a community that knows how to study and teach the Bible. Man, that 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 is a paramount, very high value ability but we also want to train and equip you to establish communities of of believers, of communities of people who can know each other, not just the words of Scripture, but who can know each other, walk alongside of one another in college and beyond. And we want to help you in that. That's why we have stories like from Go Groups where where people come together, like-minded individuals. They say, man, I want to go to the nations, but I'm not sure how I'm going to get there. And so you surround yourself with other people that say, yeah, we're going to go to that same place and we're going to walk alongside of each other. We're going to rejoice together and we're going to weep together because we need each other because God has designed us in that way. So we see these people that are so crucial for our dependence on the Lord, but we also see Christ laying out an example of this incredible perspective to maintain. He goes a little bit further away from his disciples, from those core guys, and he throws himself to the ground, and he prayed that if if it were possible, that the hour would pass from him. And so he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, and yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is going further away. He's separating himself even further from those three dudes and he, he throws himself to the ground. And this is, this should be a shocking scene, a shocking image in our minds. At that time, the Jewish custom uh, in prayer was generally to stand and lift your hands. That was, that was really the way people prayed uh, at that time. Uh, sometimes, okay, there was this idea, there was a precedent for laying yourself out on the ground, and it was a posture of urgency. Generally, it was like, that, that was how you would signify, Lord, I have this pressing need or this pressing burden. There's this immediate thing on my horizon that I need answered or that I need taken care of or whatever it is, right? And so when Jesus is throwing himself to the ground, it might be the urgency thing, right? It might be just a posture of urgency. It also, some scholars wonder, they say, man, well, it could just be he's exhausted, fatigued. He's looking at this horrific event that's coming and he's just physically just just destroyed. So he falls to the ground. Because man, the reality is that if you are just, if you're hit, if you're struggling really hard, man, that 
This happens, and it's a jarring thing. If you've witnessed this, where someone is so upset that they just throw themselves to the ground, it's, it's jarring. It, it wakes you up. It makes you realize, oh my gosh, like something's going on. Uh, my wife and I, we have two children, uh, daughter Charlotte, a son named Lawrence, uh, and they're both really wonderful. Uh, they sometimes lay next to each other and are happy. It's amazing. It's the, but this is not typical. Okay, this, well, it's Pretty typical, but it's not every moment of every day, okay? Uh, they don't sleep in the same crib. That would be horrifically irresponsible of us. But uh, Charles loves to get in there and wake him up in the morning. It's really precious. And so they will spend time together, and they love each other. It's, it's really wonderful. We're very blessed uh, that they get along well at this stage. Um, but this, again, is not just every moment of every day. Uh, in fact, a lot of times, now that there's two lives hanging in the balance, uh, a lot of times uh, we will find ourselves in situations like this. There you go. That's lunch, okay? So uh, my wife and I, this was, my wife sent me this video just one day. and was like, hey, how was your lunch? Because uh, this is her. This is what she was, uh, what she was going through, uh, and good for her, and she handles it very graciously. Uh, but man, their reality is that I don't even have to see video evidence. I can know exactly where Charlotte, our daughter, is in this moment. I know for a fact that she is just laid out on the ground because that's what she's doing right now. It's this weird phase where she's not like kicking and screaming and throwing a tantrum, but when she's, she's just so upset, she's just so overwrought with emotion and disappointment that she's not probably getting to like eat cheese or something. I don't know what it is, but she just throws herself to the ground and she just, oh, and she just moans and she just has this, oh, this, this call. And Man, it's, it's disturbing. It really is. Like, you see it, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, what's going on with you? Because it should shake us up to watch someone who's so distraught just throw themselves to the ground. You see it, like, a dozen times in a day. You're like, you're fine. And you move on. But generally speaking, it should, it should shake us. And when we look in Mark 14, what we're seeing is that Jesus of Nazareth, that Jesus Christ, that Jesus, the Son of God, has thrown himself to the ground because he is despairing to the point of death, because he is suffering such incredible anguish that he has thrown himself to the ground, whether out of urgency or fatigue, I don't know. But this is a big moment. This should shake us to our core to know that God put himself through such incredible suffering that he'd be laid flat on the ground, just anticipating it coming. That's what we see in the garden. That's the suffering and the anguish that our God put himself through for our sake. So he's calling out to his father. He says, Abba, Father. He's using this familiar term that, that had not been used previously in addressing God. It was, a, it was a term used in the home. It was a sign of intimacy and familiarity. And Jesus is using it as he prays. In fact, he's setting an example that's followed by other apostles. Paul uses this repeatedly in his letter, saying, Abba, Father, because we now all have the opportunity to experience this incredible relationship with the God of the universe because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. But he calls out, he says, Abba, Father, he says, I need you to take this cup. 
And he's not talking about crucifixion. He's not talking about suffering. Right? Well, he's using very explicit terminology, a very explicit picture and illustration, one that was used throughout our scripture in describing God's wrath. More often than not, when we see, talk, see God talking about this cup that he's going to pour out, it's, it's wrath. It's judgment. And Jesus Christ is looking ahead, and he says, that's coming to me. Because he knows I'm going to take on the sin and the transgressions. I'm going to take on the, the faults and the failures of this world. And, and God's going to pour his wrath out on me. That's why he cries out just a chapter later. God, why have you forsaken me? The pain is not just being nailed to a cross, even though that's horrific. The pain, the anguish that he's feeling is, is looking at the fact that his Father in heaven is going to pour his wrath out. He's going to turn his back. It's hard. When I'm putting my daughter to bed, we are currently in a, in a season where it's bedtime and you go to sleep, right? That's what you do at bedtime. Uh, some of you probably just stay up and watch Friends for 10 more hours. But generally, when it's bedtime, you go to sleep. And I've told her that so many times. I've written her letters. It's, uh, but she is going through this phase where I will wrap things up. We'll have read the books. I'll tell her a story. I'll sing her two songs. And then it's time to go. And as I'm leaving, as I'm getting up from her bed, she'll, say, she'll just say, Daddy, 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 stay me. Stay me, Daddy. And it breaks my heart. Up until about 7.30, okay? So her bedtime's at 7. So up until about 7.30, I'm like, oh, my baby girl. Like, yeah, I wish I could. Like, sometimes they even say, next me, hold me. And I'm just, oh. And then, you know, it's like 7.45. I'm like, no, it's nothing, right? I'm impervious to your missiles because it's late and you need to go to bed. And I just walk away. I just, it hap- you have to at some point. But she's not so distraught and distressed because of the concept of going to sleep. It's the fact that I'm leaving her. And man, that's, that breaks my heart, again, up until about 7.45, and then I'm, I'm good. Uh, but man, it's, it's a hard thing to, to look at that abandonment, to, to be abandoned in that sense. And some of us have experienced that on an earthly level, right? In, in our limited context, some of us have experienced that from parents or friends, family members. It's horrific. But imagine God made flesh, Jesus Christ, facing that. Not because he deserves it, not because he earned it, not because he failed in any way, but in fact, because he lived the perfect life, he was able to take on our sin and our failure. And he's looking at that and it just floors him. Now, what's incredible is that that's not the end of his experience or his story, right? What's incredible is that he didn't just die. We don't just put our faith and our trust in Jesus dying. We put it in his resurrection. 
In fact, that's what the, Hebrew, the author of Hebrews is telling us in Hebrews 5. He says, during his life, okay, Christ, he offered requests, supplications, loud cries, tears. Right? He's offering these requests to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his devotion. He was heard. Another translation, he was answered. His requests were granted. He was saved from death. He died, yes. Another way to phrase this, another translation would say, he was saved out of death. Meaning it's not that he was answered and that God kept him away from death. It's that he went into death and then he came out. It's that he was buried, but then he rose. It's that that tomb was full and occupied and then it was empty. And that's our gospel. That's the foundation of our belief. That's the foundation of who I am, of who many of us are. That God took on flesh to live and die and rise again for our sake. So man, we see this incredible sacrifice. We say, Lord, God, I can trust you, right? That, that, that should be our end. That was Christ's end. He says, look, I, I don't want to eventually do what I want to do. He says, it, look, my goal in this though is not to seek after my own desires. It's your will. In other words, he's saying, God, I trust you completely in this circumstance. He says, I, I, I trust that you see my suffering, you see my pain, and that you have a plan. Trust is always a choice. We can always choose to give trust to the people or organizations or whoever might be around us. We can choose to trust our God. And yet many times we find ourselves, I find myself failing to give God my trust. Why? Because sometimes I find myself fearful that God doesn't actually know what I need. Or sometimes I find myself fearful that God doesn't actually really see what I'm going through, that he doesn't care. I become fearful of those things because generally it's because I have expectations that aren't met. It's because I decide that I have certain needs and I decide that I have, there are certain things that, that need to occur. There's a salary I need to make or there's a place I need to live or there's a person I need to date or there's a you know, way that I need to be promoted in this endeavor or, or acknowledged in that endeavor. And, and I decide for myself, hey, there's these things that I need and there's these things that I care about and therefore when it doesn't happen, well, God missed it. He either didn't see it or he doesn't care about it or he just doesn't know what's right. And that is so faulty because we check in scripture and we say, no, <laughs> he's told me, he's promised me that he sees. He's promised me that he cares. He promised me that he has a plan. In fact, if we're really honest with ourselves, we can probably even just look back in our lives at past experiences and be like, wait, actually God has proven himself to be knowledgeable and caring and, and, and in control just in my limited experience. And yet we forget. I forget because we get fearful. But Jesus Christ is laying out an example for us where he says, you can choose to trust God's sympathy because I've experienced suffering even greater than anything you can imagine. And he says, and you can choose to trust God's plan because if he can use Jesus Christ's death on the cross, he can use what you're going through. I don't know how. And that doesn't necessarily make it less painful. And that doesn't mean that you don't have reason to weep and mourn. There's a time for that. But there's a plan.
There's a plan for the pain that you're experiencing. So Jesus lays out this example of not only surrounding himself with these people, but maintaining this incredible perspective. And so he walks back to his disciples, and what does he find? They're all sleeping. And so he says to Peter, he says, hey, Simon, are you sleeping? Like, couldn't you stay awake for one hour? And then he talks to all of me, addresses this to the plural. He says, I need all of you to stay awake and pray that you will not fall into temptation. Look, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's talking about literally just their human spirit, their human motivation. He says, hey, here's the thing. You guys are failing right now, right? Peter, you said that you were never going to leave me, that I was never going to die. Bro, you fell asleep like in like 10 minutes. Like I just need you for an hour and you fell asleep. You abandoned me. You failed me. So he says, I need all of you to stay alert. I need you to be praying, right? He doesn't say stay alert and, and just decide to be better. He says, stay alert, pray. In other words, I need to push all of you towards depending more on God, right? I need you guys to not just self-determine yourselves to be my support group. He says, I need you to pray that God would give you this, that God would work through you, that God would work through me, that God would be working in the circumstance. And yet he goes away one more time and he prays the same thing. And then when he came back, he found them sleeping. They could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to tell him. This happens three times. Three times, Jesus goes away, prays, comes back, they're sleeping. He says, hey, you guys got to shape up. Goes away, prays, comes back, they're sleeping. Three times. This is my favorite, the second time, because he comes back and they don't even have an excuse He's like, you guys. And they're just like, uh, sorry, Jesus. Like they just, they, they failed. They failed. And the reality is that that's our existence, right? That, that's, that's, that's our futures. If we don't see ourselves in this situation, we're fooling ourselves. Because the reality of our experience is we will just continue to fail and fail and hey, fail. Say hi. 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 Come on back up. Every single one. Every single one. Even though the last one, I think, just threw himself down just to kind of fit in. That's our experience. We will fail and fail and fail. Jesus was not shocked. He didn't come back to his disciples and be like, whoa. Like, he wasn't surprised. He knew. He knew. But what's beautiful about our gospel is that it's not dependent on us. We don't find life by doing the right stuff and living the perfect life. The reality is that our God knows that distractions are always going to defeat our determination. Distractions will always defeat our determination. Jerome, an, an ancient theologian and historian in the, in the church, puts it wonderfully. He says, we do well to watch heedfully and pray earnestly lest we enter into temptation, right? So he's speaking about this passage. He's quoting this passage in particular. He says, we do well to follow that command. Why? Because if Christ does not grant us grace, then the Judas in us betrays. And if he departs a little way from us, the Peter in us sleeps. He says, we all need to acknowledge that the disciples' experience is our experience. It's our past, it's our present, it's our future. 
Now, Jesus is still calling us forward, right? But he knows we're going to falter. He knows we're going to fail. What's beautiful about this passage is that we see that Jesus, what he did for the salvation of mankind, he did it alone. He had to. He tells his disciples about it, and they're like, no, 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 no. uh They try to resist what he told them was going to take place. When he asks them, hey, I want you to stay with me, watch and pray, bear this burden with me, they just, they don't. They fall asleep. When he eventually goes to be crucified, to suffer and die, he does it alone. They run away. They reject even knowing him. What Jesus did for us was in not, not because of men, it's in spite of men. What Jesus has done for us is in spite of us, in spite of our rejection. That's why Paul looks at us and he says, hey, we were all children of wrath, mocking and scorning the God who, wants to see, who loves us and who wants to save us. We were running in the opposite direction. Jesus says, no one's searching after the Father on their own. But thankfully, God has given us a gift that we don't deserve obtained by the fact that Jesus Christ suffered and died alone so that we don't have to. Again, we are called to obedience. Absolutely. God has put forth the commands and desires that he wants us to follow, a lifestyle that he wants us to adopt because it's what's best. But we don't focus on what we should do until we are confident and resting in what Christ has done. Please hear that. Please know that about our faith. It's not what I do. It's what Christ has done. And so what better reason do I have but to rely on him when I feel out of my depth? When I feel like the world's just crashing in on me? Even if I feel like I'm in control, I'm not. You never know when some crazy hailstorm's going to just hit. It happens. So God says, I want you to depend on me. Follow the example set by my son, Jesus Christ, to rely on me. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to practice this. And we're going to take advantage of the people around us, the perspective that we've just seen in Scripture, and we're going to pray together. All right, so if there's one or two people around you, uh, maybe you know them, which is great. If you don't, that's okay. You just introduce yourself really quickly. Uh, I promise it's not going to be too weird. Everyone's doing it. All right, uh, we uh, are going to take a moment, and you're just going to share with them. You're going to say, hey, this is an area where I know I should be depending on God. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, a class. It could be a, an experience. It could be a family thing. I don't know. And you can be as vague or specific as you want. You can stay very general. That's totally fine. But just share with them, hey, this is a, an area where I know I need to depend on the Lord. It's, God kind of raised it to my mind when we were singing earlier, during the sermon or whatever. Share that with one another. And then pray for each other. Share, man, th- this is where I know I need to be depending on God to move and work in this relationship with my mom. And then say, hey, will you pray for me that God would keep me humble that he would keep me dependent upon himself, that he would empower me to be alert and to pray for his power to be at work.
right? So take a moment, share that with, again, with like one or two people, however the numbers work out, and we'll close and sing you a few songs in a few minutes. Ready, set, go. Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. My name is Kevin Barra. And I'm Jacob Smith. Uh, and we are so glad that you've joined us as we're basically just digging deeper into our sermons from uh, this past Sunday and looking ahead in our ministry at what's coming up. That's right. And we are trekking through the Gospel of Mark at the tail end of this semester, which has been so much fun. Uh, we've had to speed through it in, in some ways because we only had about seven or eight weeks to yeah. kind of hit all of it. Um, and we are... At the end of Jesus' life, yes. we are looking at his time in, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, so the la- last night of Jesus' life. Mm-hmm. And then this next week, we'll be looking at um, the cross that he endured. And uh, so how have you felt about this, uh, this section of, of <laughs> well, the gospel of Jesus' life? Uh, well, uh, people like to call this the sunshine rainbows part of Mark. Because <laughs> uh, you just yeah. get to look uh, at uh, Jesus' Not just suffering, but there's all the buildup to the suffering, which mm. is almost worse than the suffering itself. Yeah. It's something that I think I I just personally often forget. It's just there's so much anticipation. And it's probably even extra f- infuriating for him or extra painful because every time he's, like, saying, like, hey, this is going to happen to, like, all of his best friends, like, hey, I, I need you guys to be around me. Mm. Like, every time they're like, no, 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 no. It's okay. No. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I got you, bro. <laughs> no way. I got you, bro. <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And he's like, no, I, I promise. He's like, and you're all going to fall away. They're like, no, 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 no. You're crazy. <laughs> so yeah. I cannot imagine uh, going through that process of, yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but looking at the Garden of Gethsemane, man, I, um, hmm. yeah, we uh, were basically saying about the same thing um, at, at the two different campuses. We were talking about just, you know, how do you endure um, through that time and, and kind of how do you, how does God use our suffering? I know that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about next week as well. But, yeah. um, man, I, I just know for at Anderson, I, I really tried to stress, and I want to just re-stress uh, the idea that Jesus laid out this example for us of bringing people alongside as he's anticipating the suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, his people were scrubs and did not follow through. Instead, they fell asleep over and over again, um, which that's humanity. And that's what we will also do. Mm. Um, But uh, he still was gracious, I think. And and even though he didn't actually need those people, he gave us this great example of, hey, you've been designed as a human, as a person. Mm. Uh, You need community uh, to rejoice with you when you rejoice and to weep with you when you weep. Um, you need people alongside of you that can share the burden uh, of this life. And so, mm. man, I would just really double stress, like, make sure that you're finding that. It's not too late. A lot of times people hit, you know, middle of the spring. It's April now. And people are like, oh, it's, yeah, I'll just wait till the fall, you know. But the fall's like five, six months away. Like, the, it's... It's time now. I like, wait to get friends next yeah. year. <laughs> right, which is just crazy. Um, it's easy to put off, but it's so – it's just not best to do so. And mm-hmm. so uh, we you know, we have opportunities at Grace to find community. Um, there's opportunities at other places. You know, We would love to at least talk with you about that. So, my goodness, please reach out to our staff or our leaders about, I um, mean, what does it look like to find meaningful community, people that can actually walk alongside of me. Um, in the joys, but also in the the sorrows of, of this world. That's so good, and and really, that, that's what that's what we see in Jesus. This is 
clearly the lowest part of his life. Yeah. And uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is he hits his knees, literally hits his knees, and and says, "Daddy, please, can we have another way?" Just yeah. one of the most intimate statements that the Jewish people would never even use. They would never think to use a, a, a phrase that intimate as mm-hmm. calling uh, God daddy. And and you see him just pour out his heart. And he did have his boys beside him. And so you see like not only a model of, of what it looks like to, to have community around you, but also what does it look like to, to suffer um, and pour out your heart to God mm-hmm. in, in community. So it's it's powerful. Uh, over at Southwood, we covered uh, 72 verses in Mark chapter 14. I didn't read them all, um, fortunately, but I encourage you to go back and read it. And even as we're marching up to Easter, I would strongly encourage you guys to dig into the gospel of Mark, mm. um, read these chapters and see what um, the passion, the, the suffering of, of Christ looked like over his last couple couple days of mm-hmm. his life. And and one of the pieces I was trying to emphasize is that is that we watch Jesus knowing what was going to come, knowing his future, uh, receive rejection, abandonment, denial, um, betrayal, all across this this last night of his life. And and what's so interesting about that is as you as you see that moment in his life, you watch him walk through, and he's not stoic. Uh, He's not dispassionate. He endures each moment thoughtfully and even tearfully, as we see in the garden. And uh, and that's just amazing to see that that the God who created humanity also endured the suffering from that humanity that He loved, and He and He did it tearfully but purposefully. And purposely is the last piece I just want to give um, give to us in, in this part of the podcast is that the purpose of His sacrifice was to demonstrate how much he loved us. Yeah. In Jesus' ministry, he said, no, no greater love does a man have than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And, and we watch him literally lay down his life for his love. And I, I think so often as, uh, I don't know, just as people, we can doubt whether or not God has our best interests in mind or doubt that he really loves and cares for us. And, and oftentimes we look at maybe the bad situations that happen in life mm. and say, well, clearly God doesn't care Clearly, God doesn't love because if He loved me, then A, B, C wouldn't have happened. Someone wouldn't have gotten cancer, wouldn't have gotten in a car wreck. Uh, I would have gotten into the major that I wanted, or or some other thing that we say. If God loved me, this would have happened, and it's usually this good thing. And uh, what the cross of Christ, what the suffering and passion of Christ shows us more than anything else, is that God loves us this much. He loves us so much that He would give up everything for us. And, uh, you know, you, you talk to guys that take girls on a date and you're like, do you, do you like the girl? Do you like her? Yeah, I like her. Are you going to take her out to a nice dinner? Yeah, I'll t- totally take her out to a nice dinner, like Torchy's Tacos or, mm. <laughs> or, or something like Did that. the queso uh-huh, and everything. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop 20 bucks on a girl. I mean, I really, I really like her. Yeah. Watch it. And, uh, and you're like, yeah, yeah. So, so you, you kind of show it in even these monetary terms or what you're willing to sacrifice for this person to show love. And, and God says, look, I love you this much. You're worth it. My entire life, my betrayal, rejection, denial, and and the brutal death um, that I'll pay for you, so that you can be in a relationship with me. And and so, if there's ever a doubt in your mind that God loves you, all we have to do is look at the cross and say, He loves us that much. He loves us so much that He gave everything for us. So I, I hope that's encouraging as you uh, listen to these talks and as you uh, walk through this week. He loves 
you. Yeah. So to uh, affirm that, we are uh, going to be having some baptism Sundays coming up uh, in the next month-ish. We are having baptisms at Southwood in the college service on April 23rd Mm -hmm. and on May 7th for Anderson. So Southwood is April 23rd. Anderson is May 7th. Uh, And yeah, we're just – we're really excited to just – uh, you know, proclaim to the world like, hey, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where we align. We're united with Christ, not only in his life and death, but also in his resurrection uh, as yeah. symbolized and, and seen in the picture of baptism. So uh, if you have interest in that, we would love for you to just reach out. You can email us at college at grace-bible.org. That's college at grace-bible.org. And if you just let us know, hey, I'm interested in baptism, we'll we'll take you to the next step. Uh, and yeah, we, we really hope that you'll join us uh, just in that endeavor. It's always fun. I love it. We it's do it awesome. every semester and it's awesome. It's really powerful. Uh, then this Sunday, so a week from yesterday, this upcoming Sunday, April 9th, uh, we have family weekend here in town. It's going to be amazing. Woo-hoo. People are getting rings and people are just getting excited. Families are showing up. Hotels are booked. Yeah, uh, are. And so you should bring your family to church with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as, you know, they want to see what you're a part of. They like to be, you know, in the middle of your life. And so um, you can bring them and we know that they're coming. So we've prepared food. So at Southwood, there's going to be a lunch following the service. Uh, At Anderson, there's going to be a breakfast slash brunch uh, in between services. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, our goal is just to serve and love your families well, uh, because they've done a lot. To get you here. That's right. They're great people. That's right. Probably. So we want to feed them food. And if you've been wanting to introduce your parents to us, uh, but you feel a little awkward about that, don't worry. We would love to meet mom and dad. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm like practicing my handshakes right now <laughs> for all the dads that just the strong dad handshakes. Yeah, that air handshake is pretty I'm just, awesome. I'm rubbing my hand on concrete to try to like build in some calluses mm, so I can be kind of, mm. you know, tough and stuff. It'll be so good. We'll see. <laughs> It'll hey, be great. So thank you so much for joining us on the Grace College Podcast. I hope you have a great week and look forward to seeing you guys at Parents Weekend. Yep. Have a great week.